The following story is certified grim for taboo themes and aggressive kingly behaviour and may not be suitable for all listeners. Really, trust us on this one. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. Thousand Furs. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. There was once upon a time a king who had a wife with golden hair, and she was so beautiful that her equal was not to be found on earth. It came to pass. Most beautiful person in the world confirmed. (laughs) It came to pass, however, that she lay ill, and as she felt that she must soon die, she called the king and said, If you wish to marry again after my death, she must be as beautiful as I am, (laughs) and have such golden hair as I have. This you must promise me. (laughs) Oh dear. And after the king had promised her this, she closed her eyes and died. Whoa, okay. That was sudden. The end. That was a short one. (laughs) Wow, okay, what a setup. I know, right? What a bizarre request as well on your deathbed. (laughs) They have to be as beautiful as me. And they have to have golden hair. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yes, dear. (laughs) Yeah, sure, okay, okay, darling. Whatever you say. (laughs) For a long time, the king could not be comforted and had no thought of taking another wife. At length, though, his counsellors said, There is no helping it. The king must marry again, that we may have a queen. And now messengers were sent about far and wide to seek a bride who equaled the late queen in beauty. In the whole world, however, none was to be found, and even if one had been found, still there would have been no one who had such golden hair. So the messengers came home as they went. So, you know, even if they find someone very good looking, sure. she doesn't have the hair, the, yeah. she's not blonde, but if she is blonde, she's not as good looking. It's no, a nightmare. It is a nightmare. I don't think you can dye hair gold either. So, yeah, I can't get around it that way. Now, the king had a daughter who was just as beautiful as her dead mother and had the same golden hair. When she was grown up, the king looked at her one day. What? No. And saw no. that in every respect, she no. was like his late wife. And suddenly... He felt a violent love for her. No. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And that concludes the episode. No. Yeah. No, uh, you, are, you are not going anywhere. Strap <laughs> no. in. Stop it, king. Bad king. Then he said to his counsellors, I will marry my daughter, for she is the counterpart of my late wife. Otherwise, I can find no bride who resembles her. When the counsellors heard that, they were shocked. And said, <laughs> of course they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me, come again. <laughs> I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> your Majesty. <laughs> God has forbidden a father to marry his daughter. No good can come from such a crime. And the kingdom will be involved in the ruin. The daughter was still more shocked when she became aware of her father's resolution. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> but still, she hoped to change his mind. She said to him, um, before I fulfill your wish, I must have three dresses, 
Uh, one as golden as the sun, one as silvery as the moon, and one as bright as the stars. Uh, and beside this, I wish for a mantle of a thousand different kinds of fur and hair joined together, and one of every kind of animal in your kingdom must give a piece of his skin for it. But she thought, to get that will be quite impossible, and thus I shall divert my father from his wicked intentions. Smart. Very smart. That's the only thing, it's the only thing you can do in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Really? Make me three dresses and a mantle <laughs> yeah. of a thousand different kinds of fur. Yeah. The king, however, so you, you think that'd be enough, right? That'll put the Yeah, king that off. should dissuade him. He'd be like, oh, I can't even be bothered then. Forget it. Just forget it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what happened. The king, however, did not give it up. And the cleverest maidens in his kingdom had to weave the three dresses, one as golden as the sun, one as silvery as the moon, and one as bright as the stars. And his hunters had to catch one of every kind of animal in the whole of his kingdom and take from it a piece of its skin. And out of these was made a mantle of a thousand different kinds of fur. My goodness. It must look atrocious. <laughs> I mean, it's really not a great garment, is it? Just bits of, like, fox and badger yeah. and, like, rat. and <laughs> It's awful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have questions, but we'll get to that. <laughs> At length, when all was ready, the king had the mantle brought, spread it out before her, and said, The wedding shall be tomorrow. When the king's daughter saw that there was no longer any hope of turning her father's heart, she resolved to run away from him. In the night, while everyone was asleep, she got up and took three different things from her treasures. A golden ring, a golden spinning wheel, and a golden reel. The three dresses of the sun, moon, and stars she put into a nutshell. And <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell, three dresses. <laughs> she put on her mantle of all kinds of fur and blackened her face and hands with soot. <laughs> There's so many taboos in this. Can't cope. There's plenty more coming. Don't worry. We've got a long episode. Oh, boy. Then she commended herself to God and went away. She walked the whole night until she reached a great forest. And as she was tired, she got into a hollow tree and fell asleep. The sun rose and she slept on. And she was still sleeping when it was full day. It so happened that the king to whom this forest belonged was hunting in it. When his dogs came to the tree, they sniffed and ran barking around about it. The king said to the hunters, Just see what kind of wild beast has hidden itself in there. The hunters obeyed his order, and when they came back, they said, A wondrous beast is lying in the hollow tree. We have never before seen one like it. Its skin is fur of a thousand different kinds, but it is lying quite asleep. Said the king, See if you can fetch it alive and then fasten it to the carriage and we will take it with us. When the hunters laid hold of the maiden, she awoke full of terror and cried out to them, I am a poor child, deserted by my mother and father. <laughs> Have pity on me and take me with you. Imagine their surprise. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> well, they completely ignored that. And they said, thousand furs. You will be useful in the kitchen. Come with us and you can sweep up the ashes. <laughs> okay, that's, that's number three. <laughs> taboo three tick yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's taboo bingo tonight <laughs> no. we're getting through them so they put her in the carriage and took her home to the royal palace there they pointed out to her a closet under the stairs where no daylight entered and said hairy animal you can live and sleep in there then she went <laughs> <laughs> this is so bizarre <laughs> then she was sent into the kitchen 
and, and she carried wood and water, swept the hearth, plucked the fowls, picked the vegetables, raked the ashes, and did all the dirty work. Thousand furs lived there for a long time in great wretchedness. Alas, fair princess, what is to become of you now? <laughs> Wait, who said that? I th- who said I did. that? That was me. Oh, right. <laughs> that was the, the Brothers Grimm telling me to say that. Oh, I see. <laughs> so random. I know. <laughs> I think the Brothers Grimm got a bit overexcited at that part. Yeah. It happened, however, that one day a feast was held in the palace, and she said to the cook, May I go upstairs for a while and look on? I will place myself outside the door. The cook answered, Yes, go, but you must be back here in half an hour to sweep the hearth. So there's a, there's a festival going on upstairs. There's a big ball, exciting ball. She pleaded, please let me go and have a look to the cook. And he right. said, all right, yeah, go on then, but, but be back sharpish. Sure. Then she took her oil lamp, went into her den, took off her fur dress, and washed the soot off her face and hands so that her full beauty once more came to light. She should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, so to be clear, she is always wearing the fur. Uh, with always black. Bl- yes. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And she they, could have got out of this predicament a lot sooner if she'd just gone, actually, my beautiful princess. Yeah. And revealed herself as such. But anyway, she's doing that now. Fair well, enough. We, yeah, we'll get, well... Yeah. Okay. We're, we're going a long way round. <laughs> salad. Taking the scenic route. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so she's yeah, she's washed herself, uh taken off the fur mantle. Mm-hmm. She opened the nut and took out her dress, which shone like the sun. And when she had done that, she went up to the festival, and everyone made way for her, for no one knew her, and thought no otherwise than that she was a king's daughter. Because she's looking so good. Yeah, it's got got to be a king's That's daughter. That's the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The king came to meet her, gave her his hand to her, and danced with her. And he thought in his heart, My eyes have never yet seen anyone so beautiful. When the dance was over, she curtsied, and when the king looked round again, she had vanished, and no one knew where. The guards who stood outside the palace were called and questioned, but no one had seen her. So she hasn't left the palace. Where is she? Mysterious. Where has she gone? <laughs> She had, however, run into her little den, quickly taken off her dress, made her face and hands black again, put on the fur mantle, and again was Thousand Furs. Okay, alter ego. (laughs) And now when she went into the kitchen and was about to get to her work and sweep up the ashes, the cook said, Leave that alone till morning, and make me the soup for the king. I too will go upstairs a while and take a look. But let no hairs fall in, or in the future you shall have nothing to eat. So, (laughs) she's, he said... He said, look, I want to go and have a look at the ball. You make the soup, but be very careful you don't get hairs in the soup. Thousand first. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say she gets hairs in the soup. So the cook went away. And Thousand Furs made the soup for the king and made the bread soup the best she could. When it was ready, she fetched her golden ring from her little den and put it in the bowl in which the soup was served. Okay. When the dancing was over, the king had his soup brought and ate it. And he liked it so much that it seemed to him he had never tasted better. But when he came to the bottom of the bowl, he saw a golden ring. And he could not conceive how it could have got there. Then he ordered the cook to appear before him. The cook was terrified when he heard the order and said to Thousand Furs, You have certainly let a hair fall into the soup. And if you have, you shall be beaten for it. Uh-oh. So he's scared. He's been all summoned to the king. So, but he doesn't know what he thinks a hair's gone in there. Right? Exactly. When he came before the king, the latter asked who had made the soup. The cook replied, I made it. 
But the king said, that's not true, for it was much better than usual and cooked differently. <laughs> so he said, your soup's rubbish. Who made yeah. this? Uh, the cook answered, oh, I must acknowledge that I didn't make it. It was made by the rough animal. The king said, go and bid it come here. When Thousand Furs came, the king said, who are you? I am a poor girl who no longer has any father or mother. He further asked, Of what use are you in my palace? She answered, I'm good for nothing but to have boots thrown at my head. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that, what? Who's throwing the boots? The, sh the cook. <laughs> Where did you get the ring which was in the soup? She answered, I know nothing about the ring. So the king could learn nothing and had to send her away again. After a while, there was another festival. <laughs> Party! <laughs> and then, as before, Thousand Furs begged the cook for leave to go and look on. He answered, Yes, but come back again in half an hour and make the king the bread soup which he likes so much. Bread soup? Then she ran into her den, washed herself quickly and took out of the nut the dress which was as silvery as the moon and put it on. She went up and was like a princess. And the king stepped forward to meet her and rejoiced to see her once more. And as the dance was just beginning, they danced it together. But when it ended, she again disappeared so quickly that the king could not observe where she went. She, however, sprang into her den and once more made herself a hairy animal and went into the <laughs> kitchen to prepare the bread soup. What an extraordinary sentence. <laughs> when the cook had gone upstairs, he wants to have a little uh, gander as well. Yeah, of course. She fetched the little golden spinning wheel and put it in the bowl so that the soup covered it. It's very unhygienic. <laughs> it's very. And what, how big's the bowl or the wheel? Then it was taken to the king, who ate it and liked it as much as before and had the cook brought before him, who this time likewise was forced to confess that Thousand Furs had indeed prepared the soup. Thousand Furs again came before the king, but she answered that she was good for nothing else but to have boots thrown at her head and that she knew nothing at all about the little golden spinning wheel. When, for the third time, the king held a festival, all happened just as it had done before. Yeah, so we're not, not going to yeah, repeat it. <laughs> Just pick, picture the scene. Yeah, I know what's going on. The cook said, Surely, Roughskin, you are a witch and always put something in the soup which makes it so good that the king likes it better than that which I cook. But as she begged so hard, he let her go up at the appointed time. So she's gone back to have a look. She's gone back up. Okay. And now she put on the dress which shone like the stars. And she blinded everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the end. No. <laughs> Um, and entered the hall. Again, the king danced with the beautiful maiden and thought that she had never yet been so beautiful. <laughs> and what? <laughs> no, that is uh, your retinas burning up from the starlight coming from the dress. <laughs> and while she was dancing, he contrived, without her noticing it, to slip a golden ring on her finger, and he had given orders that the dance should last a very long time. <laughs> What's going on? Is he, yeah, surprise, you're married. So he's put a golden ring on her finger, but she hasn't noticed. Without her realizing, yeah. yeah. And they're dancing a lot. When it ended, he wanted to hold her fast by her hand, but she tore herself loose and sprang away so quickly through the crowd that she vanished from his sight. She ran as fast as she could into her den beneath the stairs. But as she had been too long and had stayed more than half an hour, she could not take off her pretty dress, but only threw over it her fur mantle. And in her haste, she did not make herself quite black, but one finger remained white. Then, what? Thousand Furs, 
<laughs> so she's she's still got a dress on. She's just got got her costume on in a hurry, and she's still got one white finger. Okay, <laughs> what a what a sight that must be. <laughs> then Thousand Furs ran into the kitchen and cooked the bread soup for the king. And as the cook was away, put her golden reel into it. When the king found the reel at the bottom of it, he had Thousand Furs summoned, and then he spied the white finger. So, so she's before the king again. He's like, I love yeah. this soup again, but there's a, a weird reel in it. And he's just, we're just all waiting for him to put two and two together. Yes. Like he should have done a long time ago. <laughs> he's like, so you're telling me you made the soup again? <laughs> yeah, and for the third time, like... there's something in it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? No, I'm at a loss. Yeah. Go away. Back to he's the no kitchen. detective. I'll tell you that. So she's standing before him again. Yeah. And he spied the white finger. Of course. And he saw the ring which he had put on it during the dance. <laughs> and then he thinks for a bit. <laughs> Everyone's like, he's, he's going to work it out in a minute. Just, just wait. <laughs> the cogs are wearing. Um. <laughs> then he grasped her by the hand and held her fast. And when she wanted to release herself and run away, her mantle of fur opened a little and the star dress shone forth. And she stood there in full splendor and could no longer hide herself. And when she had washed the soot and ashes from her face, she was more beautiful than anyone who had ever been seen on earth. Whoa, even her mum. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. The king said, you are my dear bride and we will never again part from each other. Thereupon, the marriage was solemnized and they lived happily until their death. The end. That was nuts for a lot of reasons. Yes. Like, a lot of reasons. There are so many things I want to pick apart there. I don't really know where to start. I mean, it's mad, I mean, you've got incest or, or yeah. attempted oh, yeah, incest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got blackface. You've <laughs> yes. got, like, in servitude of, like, a female furry monster thing. <laughs> you've got dresses like the sun, the moon, and the stars... You've yep. got strange gold objects that make bread soup taste really nice. Also, what is bread soup? <laughs> Let's not uh, go there again. I'm going to end up making you one again. Yeah, bread soup. Surprise. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, yeah, it's the story's called Thousand Furs, right? She is yeah. Thousand Furs. She is Thousand Furs, yeah. I love that name, Thousand Furs. That's great. It is great, yeah. And it occurred to me how the most famous fairy tales are ones with um, female leads, heroines, and they all have wicked good names. Uh, Snow White, yep. Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty. And they're all the ones we know, right? We don't know about, you know, Dumbling or the like, I don't know, the Farmer's Son or whatever the male heroes yeah. are called. I thought that was really weird, actually. That is all true, All the female actually. ones have cool names. Thousand Furs, I think, has as good a name as Snow White or yeah. Red Riding Hood. But we do, I've, I'd never heard of that story before. No, me neither. Do you know what I mean? She's not up there with those other female leads. Should be, though. What yeah. an amazing story. Yeah, it was epic, wasn't it? It was really epic. <laughs> I mean, 
And the fact that Thousand Foot... Because to, to me, it's like a superhero film. You know, to me, she's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing I expected you to say. Sorry. <laughs> to me, she's Batman. Okay. Because right. it's like... She's got these two identities, her true identity. Yeah. You know, very much the Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yeah. Yeah. You know, going, attending lavish dances and, you know, dressing up smart. And then she's also... Batman. She's also Thousand Furs, cooking up mean soup and... (laughs) Just like Batman does. Yeah, just like Batman. (laughs) But she lives under the stairs like Harry Potter. It's great. Yeah, I know. She lives in a cupboard under the stairs. (laughs) It's amazing. There's definitely a kind of dual identity thing going on there. Yeah. And nobody knows the true identity of Thousand Furs. It's quite an intense story. It's quite heavy as well, right? Really heavy. She's constantly in danger. Yeah, she is. I mean, I have to say why she didn't... There were there are huge plot holes. <laughs> okay, all right. What were the plot holes? Well, okay. She, she goes out disguising herself to run away from her dad because obviously her dad wants to marry her and she's obviously quite traumatised by that. She's like, no, dad, please, no. So, <laughs> so she runs away. Yeah. She's hiding. She gets found by this other king. Mm. She could have... And they just think it's this weird talking... Uh, creature. Yeah. She could just scrub all the black face off, <laughs> take off a thousand face and be like, no, I'm a beautiful uh, princess. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, do you yeah. want to marry? Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, instead she keeps her alter ego uh, going. Yeah. Yeah. Why? No, it's Why true. And it, it's actually really odd in those terms because the whole story is kind of her trying to impress the king. Yeah. So even making the soup, but then she could have just on that first night when she went to the ball as well, just said, yeah, I am a beautiful princess. Let's get married. But no, she keeps going back and forward. Why does she do that? Yeah, the motivations there are are kind of opaque. I don't understand them. Possibly I might be able to shed some light on that later. Okay. The three dresses you mentioned as well, the sun, the moon and the stars, which was interesting. There's actually an odd connection there with the seven ravens. Yeah. The girl in the Seven Ravens visits the sun, the moon, and the stars. Yeah, in that order. And apparently, we will see this repeated in several more stories. A girl hero being associated with the sun, the moon, and the stars. And particularly three dresses as well. That is interesting. Really odd. And I don't really know why. I don't really have an answer yet. But yeah, that's an interesting uh, little motif there. Really weird. The oddest part, maybe not the oddest part, but the thing (laughs) that kind of... um, grated a bit was the the three instruments that she brings with her the the wheel the ring and the yeah reel which is a kind of spinning part of a spinning thing like a cotton reel yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and then she puts them in the soup it's that that i found particularly weird so at first it kind of felt to me like it's it's potentially just a bit sexist right it's it's sort of just saying that a woman's security is found in looking good with the dresses, uh, yeah. being domesticized with those spinning objects and finding a husband with the ring. So on the surface, sure. it just looks bad. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. And and the fact that even though they think she's a weird, like, furry creature thing, mm. they still put her to work in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a really weird... You think you've caught, like, a very rare species and you're like... <laughs> Very rare. Put it in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Makes no sense. 
So that does look quite sexist. Mm-hmm. But actually, I found something quite interesting that kind of counters that. So there's a historical connection here to what was known as a spinstrube. I think I'm butchering that pronunciation. Okay, sounds good. So in the olden days, unmarried German women would meet in the evenings to spin. It's called a spinstrube. And often young men would join, or at least they'd offer to walk a lady home. So these events, these like spinning parties were like quite charged. They were exciting events. (laughs) And spinning became caught up in this. So perhaps they'd play games with the spinning or uh, like the men would take home little trinkets as tokens, little spinning trinkets. And also spinning wheels, interestingly, and distaffs uh, were associated with weddings as gifts. I didn't jot down the name, but there are specific names for a kind of spinning gift you'd give a young woman who's just been married. Oh, right, okay. So those three items she brought with her and plonked in the soup, it's actually perhaps an elaboration of a traditional courtship game rather than just signifying womanly domesticity. Right, that makes sense. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I quite like discovering about the spinstry bay because it's something that looks really sexist, actually. There's a nice historical element that it's part of just a courting game. That's yeah. a really fun fact. Fun I've fact. never heard of these things, yeah. No, I hadn't either, and yeah, I really hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be told if we haven't. Yeah. That sounded good to me. So, I mean... We haven't addressed the elephant in the room yet. The bit at the beginning? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So about that. About that. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Should we look the elephant square in the eye? Let's do it. I mean, I'm not looking forward to it, but... So the king... Yes. ...looks at his daughter mm. and feels a violent love, which he- is an interesting choice of words. I think and an he- appropriate choice. Yeah. Because there is obviously something (laughs) deeply malevolent about that. And highly inappropriate and not okay on any level. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. In a word, incest, my friend. Incest. Incest. It's finally happened. Yeah, we haven't had any yet, have we? No, we've, we've dealt with murder, abuse, starvation, cannibalism. But this is probably the most taboo subject of all. I think so. Incest. Incest. I've had a slightly traumatic look into this for you, Adam. (laughs) 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 Because I think it's quite important and I don't want I don't want us to pull our punches here. So if this topic makes anyone uh, any listener queasy, please leave by the nearest exit now or skip on until you hear some soothing music. (laughs) Um, Are you up for exploring this? How does this make you feel? (laughs) Yeah, deeply uncomfortable. I feel like um, Game of Thrones has kind of made this acceptable now, so maybe it's fine. Maybe everyone's think? cool with okay. it. Yeah, after Game of Thrones. Okay, let's go for it then. Come uh, on. Yeah. All right. Let's go down that deeply unpleasant rabbit hole. Yeah, let's plunge into those icy waters. <laughs> oh dear. So I've had a look into uh, incest in legends, folklore, and fairy tales, and some thoughts on why this is in our story and why perhaps it resonates as a theme. Okay. So looking at the bigger picture first, 
incest is rife across the spectrum of mythology, folklore, and literature in general. In Greek mythology, it's everywhere. Zeus and Hera are husband and wife, and also brother and sister, for example. Oh, Even nice. Zeus, yeah. Even <laughs> Zeus is at it, no. Adonis, god of beauty. You know Adonis, right? Who doesn't? I know Adonis, yeah. Well, you probably didn't know that he was born as a result of father-daughter incest. I did not know that. Normally that doesn't uh, result in like an Adonis figure. Normally no. it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, um, yeah. the story goes that King Theias's daughter, uh, Myrrha, Myrrha, fancied her dad and tricked him into sleeping with her. Theias no. finds out he's furious and he chases her mm-hmm. uh, with his sword drawn. In pity, the gods turn her into a tree to escape. A myrrh tree. She's called Myrrh. Myrrh. It's a myrrh tree. Myrrh. Nine months later, Adonis pops out of the tree. So, so that's the story of Adonis. Adonis pops out of the tree. We don't need to linger on that. A tree gives birth to a baby. (laughs) The baby baby Adonis. (laughs) (laughs) Just pops out of the tree. (laughs) So, uh, for our purposes, escaping and hiding in a tree is quite similar there. Maybe there's some sure, similarity. Yeah. Could be something Now, I'd yeah. just say, remember that in that Greek myth, the daughter did sleep with her father here. We'll come back to that later. So, okay. there's loads of... There's, well, there's loads in Greek mythology. We'll park that. Sure. I mean, the, the obvious one that springs to mind is Oedipus, of course. Yes. We'll come back to that later as well, Adam. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Settle in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long journey. Okay. Incest also crops up in Norse mythology, Chinese mythology, Japanese mythology. It's in Egyptian mythology too, which is something we've never talked about. Egyptian mythology or incest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, a lot of the god couples in Egyptian mythology are also siblings. For example, Isis and Osiris. Uh, but there's loads loads more. It's even in the Old Testament, Book of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah? It is, isn't it? It is. <laughs> After his wife is turned into a pillar of salt, Lot and his two daughters escape to a cave where the daughters got him drunk and lay with him in turn. Oh, that's awful on many levels. <laughs> we talked about a lot before. You knew the story of the Pillar of we Salt did. in Hansel and Gretel. It came yeah, did you, it's a very, very famous story. Did you know this part of the story? Because I didn't. I did. I'd forgotten it. Um, yeah. But it's not just in ancient myths and religious texts. It pops up in medieval romances and stories too. In one legend, mm-hmm. even King Arthur accidentally has a son with his half-sister. So even that's some accident. Explain that. Even one. the king of the Britons doesn't escape from this, Adam. No, whoops! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Fake farm. <laughs> and of course, it's in uh, fairy tales and folklore. Thousand Furs is ATU type five ten B, the father who wanted to marry his daughter. Oh wow! It's got a whole ATU it's type. Its, okay. it's got its own ATU type, but it's not just constrained. To that story type, apparently eight other ATU types also deal with unwanted incestuous advances. Are what different, like, yeah. sort of like mother, son, Uncle, mother, sister? Auntie. Basically, it's absolutely everywhere. I want to make that clear. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's truly <laughs> universal. I'm not just shoehorning this in for my own amusement. It's truly no. universal. So what is going on here, Adam? What is this all about? 
poor incest. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so why you know why is this happening? Um, and particularly in our story, what's going on? So firstly, I thought you know it might seem really strange to see this cropping up in what is generally thought of as kids' story fairy tales. But I thought one reason why fairy tales go to these dark places is because they can. The genre makes space for it. Mm-hmm. Fairy tales have two-dimensional characters and they aren't rooted in any recognizable reality. So in a way, they're a perfect place to address these difficult topics. Sure. But it's also important to consider that originally fairy tales weren't, they weren't just for kids. They were oral folk tales that people would tell each other while working or, or around the fire. Mm-hmm. It was the fairy tale collectors like the Brothers Grimm who labeled them as kids' stories. But that's an artificial yeah. construct for something that is organic by its very nature. Yeah. yeah. Still, there are lots of sneaky ways some translators and writers have tried to tame and dilute this story. So sometimes she's an adopted daughter, so that makes it a bit better. Um, Except it makes it almost worse. kind of make less sense. That the, the, the reason she matches her mother's beauty mm-hmm. is because she is her mother's daughter yeah a lot a lot of these versions don't make sense so there's one english translation of thousand furs where they make it so that a counselor marries his daughter for the delicate english public who can't deal with it so they completely remove <laughs> yeah. the whole idea it doesn't make any <laughs> change sense. the story um sometimes they suggest the king's gone insane um sometimes he's kind of <laughs> harassed into it by his counselors there's a kentucky version and a chilean version where the king is unaware that she's his daughter. So he doesn't realize, but the daughter does. A common aspect of this censoring is that the blame is shifted away from the king. So they kind of keep the story the same, but the blame is shifted. Yeah, and that's worse, isn't it? I mean, the fact is, I feel like the story you read me, A Thousand Mm. Furs, is pretty blatant in where the fault lies. You know, the king is described as having a violent love yeah. or whatever yeah. uh, you know at least i feel like the blame there is apportioned correctly absolutely and you know often the brothers grim are criticized for like toning down the like um the the more unsavory aspects of the stories but in this story they yeah. re- they didn't at all they kept that they could have removed it if they wanted like other writers did but they didn't to their credit i'd say yeah 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 absolutely and uh, along those lines of yeah the keeping the king's fault i thought actually even in our version it's technically the mother's fault by making the demand in the first place i was just thinking that but she probably didn't think it was going to go in that direction when she asked him to make that promise (laughs) yeah no 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 no. that's not what i was thinking yeah (laughs) and actually our king he isn't even punished at the end normally the, the villains are very cruelly punished but uh, in, in this story, he isn't at all. He just disappears. But ultimately, yeah. there's no getting around it. This is a story about a king trying to marry his daughter. Why? Sure. Why? Why do we want to hear that? <laughs> Good question, Matt. I hope you've got answers. One theory about this story is that it might be concerned with the Electra complex. This is a version of the Oedipus complex, but right, for a okay. girl instead of a boy. Oh, really? So is Oedipal... Yeah. Uh, and that's specifically mother of son. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. It's good to get this stuff cleared up. <laughs> it is good to get it. Yeah. It's great. So up. this is yeah, daughter father. The uh, the idea yeah. behind this, I think it's a Jungian theory, um, is that at certain at a certain point in their psychological development, a girl has a desire to replace her mother, as it were. 
she gets jealous of her mother. So right. the idea is at a certain age in your psychological development, you go through this phase. Mm -hmm. The idea with this story is that because that is going on in a child's mind, a girl's mind, and at the mm -hmm. same time, because a girl is repulsed by this desire, in this story, that desire is projected onto the father. So this is actually about the princess's desire, but it's been inverted. Right. So it's kind of like an inverted Adonis myth, where the girl does actually do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some evidence in defense of this theory. The man she eventually marries closely resembles her father. Indeed, it's not actually made crystal clear that he is different. It just says a king meets her in the woods. And I've seen a lot of people um, argue that it's the same king. No. And even if it's not, the man um, she does marry is a king and he acts pretty unpleasantly too. He like grabs her at the end, rips off her mantle. And in the, f yeah. in the first version of this tale that they published, he's actually even more abusive towards her. There's this whole thing where... Thousand Furs, the hairy animal, every night she has to go and take the king's boots off for him and he throws them at her head every night. Oh, well, those references are still in they there. They are. So it really threw me. Those like out I of know. nowhere. So they removed that part of the story, but they kept in, I'm good for nothing, but to have boots thrown at my head, which is really <laughs> random. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you said that, I thought, what? And they collected other... There's loads of weird versions in their notes. They say, like, there's one where the king asks if he can put his head in her lap and he and she strokes him there's all this weird stuff goes on oh uh, i don't like any <laughs> of this uh, but this is this is the king that she's going to marry so he's not very nice towards yeah. her either there's a finnish version of this story where it's a merchant's daughter and the man that she marries is also a merchant so the job of the final partner stays the same as the job of the father because it's not a prince who comes to rescue her here it's another king Right. And yeah, gotcha. in Hansel and Gretel, I talked about how the evil stepmother who abandons the kids in mm -hmm. the wood and the witch in the cake house are kind of the same person, like a mirror image. So what yeah. happens once the main character goes into the forest is like a symbolic version of what happens beforehand in the house. And there might be something of this going on here, too. Did, did we talk about that in Hansel and Gretel, about the idea that the the old lady in the house is the stepmother yeah i'm pretty sure it was, did, a, while, it was a while could, back now it was a while back <laughs> so i'm struggling to remember but i do have this vague idea that maybe one version of the story that happens and so part of the uh like the happy ending mm -hmm. is the fact not only the fact that they get home but when they get home the stepmother's yeah there. exactly yeah yeah because she's because the witch has been killed the you know the stepmother's been killed exactly yeah so the idea here with this theory is that it's a similar idea that it's it's the same yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. But perhaps the most compelling reason behind the existence of this story is that it's just chronicling abuse. Yeah. At every stage. Yeah. You've got the, the, the abuse by the father. Yeah. Originally, that's driven her out. Mm -hmm. um, then she gets captured as like a wild animal. Yeah, exactly. And she gets abused like that. She puts, yep. gets placed into, into servitude. And then ultimately there's the abuse when she gets taken into to marriage. Yeah, but also the, the cook's very aggressive towards her as well. And yeah. is, is a male as well. He's, yeah. She's just treated roughly by all these males around her. 
It's awful. She's like on a tightrope the whole time, kind of juggling aggressive men, trying yeah. to like make her way through. And I think that's the heaviest part of the story for me. She's just constantly being battered. And you don't really like the 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 king that she marries in the end. Like he's just no, he's a I bit don't. unpleasant as well. Yeah. He's not a prince charming at all. Uh, and I also came across the idea of how of being beautiful and ugly at the same time. So she's a thousand furs and she's also the princess in the beautiful gowns. Yeah. And that can be seen as perhaps, you know, an abuse survivor's relationship with how they see themselves as they build themselves back together. Oh, okay. Interesting. Th- there's a great quote um, from Maria Tatar on the therapeutic quality of the story. Maria Tatar, who we interviewed last time. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the Maria Tatar. The Maria Tatar. The, the Maria. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she says, What becomes clear from this tale is the degree to which storytelling once functioned as a strategy for staging forbidden desires and for foreclosing on their realization by showing their consequences. Our ancestors created therapeutic spaces that were more communally oriented than the office chair or couch used today. Thousand Furs reminds us of the power of storytelling to foster dialogue, to heal, and to assure survival. So in a way, perhaps this, is a, this story is a way of approaching something that was a reality for many listeners. You know, either unwanted sexual advances or abuse in general. Mm-hmm. And it could be a coded way to speak about and deal with that, a kind of, a kind of therapy. Like giving a happy ending for the listeners. Right, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And... Yeah, the fairy tales do lend themselves, I guess, as a vehicle for that, given the sort of detached nature they have. Yeah. Like it's not, uh, like you say, it is two-dimensional. It lives in that far-off world that allows you to sort of p- kind of put those things in there and let them, yeah. let the stories sort of sort it out. Yeah, absolutely, in a kind of digestible way, and you can reorder things to end happily. So you can have the most traumatic things happen in a fairy tale. And, yeah. and give it a, a good ending in a way. Yeah, exactly. They lend themselves to that. Yeah, interesting. Hmm, very. In German, the story is called Alalairau. Come again, say it again. Alalairau. 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 I'd like to thank Lisa Marie, podcast listener, who I got in touch with pleading for help on how to pronounce that. (laughs) And she did her best job. So that's the best I can come up with. So thank you, Lisa Marie, for that, the help You impressed me. I mean, I guess Lisa Marie will be the judge but it sounded good to me it's spelled a-l-l-e-r-l-e-i-r-a-u-h it's ludicrous yeah i mean you lost me halfway through that (laughs) and funnily enough that's actually how it's often known in english it's just known by the german name okay but sometimes it is translated as all kinds of fur all fur which is what it means or Thousand Furs, which is clearly which is the, the best. best name, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. That is an amazing name. Thousand Furs. Thousand Furs. Now, the history of this story is quite interesting. It has an interesting origin. 
The story starts in ancient China. Or at least that's where the trail runs cold. Okay. The sto- so we pick up the trail in ancient China. Absolutely. <laughs> and we'll go all the way from there <laughs> to the present. <laughs> the story, Yi Zhan, was written around 860 AD in Tang Dynasty, China. And it's known as the earliest version of Cinderella or ATU what? type 510. So over the next thousand years, that story traveled and split into two distinct types. ATU 510A, the one we know today as Cinderella, where the stepmother persecutes her daughter. Okay. And ATU 510B, where the father persecutes his daughter, Thousand Furs. So this story ah. is closely, closely, closely related to Cinderella. It's like a, it's like a, a cousin or... A <laughs> this is getting back into familiar relationships again. <laughs> yes. They're very close. <laughs> very closely related. Okay. So, we, you know, we haven't read Cinderella, but we, you know, it's a story about a princess brought low, hidden, doing domestic chores, sneaking off to a ball, le- mm-hmm. the glass slippers like the ring. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So, you know, we potentially would have had Cinderella as our next story. It lost out to Sleeping Beauty. And instead of that, (laughs) it could have been perfect. It could have been perfect if it wasn't for me and our listeners. (laughs) No, I think this is perfect because this is like we kind of get Cinderella as well as Sleeping Beauty. Oh, I see what you mean. We're getting the best of both worlds. We get Cinderella's dark, twisted cousin. (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely to meet you. What's your name? Thousand first. (laughs) Also, just to clarify, A- ATU, we keep we're banding that about. It's, yes. It's like a, it's a framework of categorizing folktales by narrative type. So you can have different types of stories from all over the world, but they're very, very similar. So they get given an yeah. ATU type. No, exactly. And that we've hmm. often used that in the past as like a jumping off point to go into similar stories from around the world, which have been... Well, speaking of Often which... Often been highlights. Oh, oh yes. I mean, I, I said it with a degree of hope. <laughs> well, your wish has been granted. <laughs> yes. Folktales of Thousand Furs Light stories have been recorded in communities across the world. This is a very popular story type. And mm. indeed, the story appears in almost every landmark fairy tale collection we've come across. Joseph Jacobs in his English fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Straparola, Basile, and Perot. Excellent. All the big players publish versions of Thousand Furs, which attest to how widespread the folktale is. Now, I've singled out one of those to look at now. Okay, can you, which one? Can you guess which author I've picked? So what were the options again? We've got... Joseph we've Jacobs, got Joseph Straparola, Basile, Perot. I think... I mean... You know. Do I know? It... it is it our cheeky, uh, cheeky Italian friend, Basile? It's Basile, baby. Yes! <laughs> now, th- do, do we have enough time to read this? Because it's probably going to take years, isn't it? So that's the issue. I also wanted to talk about Perot's story as well, because we've actually come across it before, but I think we'll save that for Grim Fables podcast. Okay, sounds or great. we'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> Basile has been popping up a lot recently, yeah. but I couldn't let this one go by. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited. Because as always, he takes it to the next level. <laughs> he does. And he actually, he throws in a second taboo for good measure. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, Basile, cheeky, cheeky so-and-so. <laughs> so yeah, I think we all know him by now. He's the fairy tale granddaddy from 17th century Naples. 
He wrote one of the earliest fairy tale books in 1633. And in that book is a story called She-Bear. She-Bear? She-Bear. She-Bear. Like, that might be even better than Thousand Furs. It's a version of Thousand Furs. She-Bear. <laughs> oh, no. It's She-Bear. No. That's amazing. So, yeah, I've, I'm going to sum it up for you. I'll quote a bit of dialogue towards the end. Perfect. Essentially, it's the same story but with a few more twists and turns. Okay. I love the opening of this story. Um, he always has a unique take. So She-Bear opens. A man must require just and reasonable things if he would see the scales of obedience properly trimmed. From orders which are improper springs resistance which is not easily overcome. Interesting little opening there. Very interesting. My head hurts. <laughs> Basically, from orders which are wrong... Springs disobedience, essentially. Okay. Right, yeah. so you've got you've to be just. Yeah. Queen dies. Same thing. You know, says to her husband, marry someone equal to my beauty. Once yeah, he's... He looks around. <laughs> well, once he's grieved, he puts out the word and the town criers send out the message that the king will marry the most beautiful woman. Lots of women come from far and wide... And he makes them. He makes them all line up, and, oh, and he walks no. up and down, judging them all. No, 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 no. <laughs> like a like a a really old version of a, a pageant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I don't like that. But none of them are to his taste. Really, none of them. None of them. He goes into how long's this line? He goes into long detail about why he doesn't like uh, French, Spanish, and German women in particular. Oh, okay. Um, and also, s and then just individual women. He's like, no, she's got her lips are too big, her nose is too small, or whatever. He's just like, he just judges them all. And wow. eventually he decides he's going to marry his daughter, who looks. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine going to all that effort. I need to do that. And they're like, he what? I travel from <laughs> France to here. Yeah. You're going to pay my travel. He'd rather marry his own daughter than me. <laughs> That's, the best that's, got girl in my that's got to sting, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she looks like her, uh, her dead mum, uh, his daughter. Lovely, yeah. And she's called Preziozza, just for the record. That's the name of the princess. Preziozza. Now, she's not into it, obviously. And Princess Preziozza doesn't escape by throwing a skin on herself, no. Instead, a mysterious old lady gives her some tree bark to put in her mouth, which turns her into a she-bear. So she just transforms into a bear. Wait, what? How? What? It's magical Seriously? transformation. Yeah. From, from the tree bark? Just a bit of tree bark, pop it in, turn into a bear. Boom! You're a bear. <laughs> and literally a bear. So it doesn't have like a, a woman's head, it's just a bear. Full-on bear. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thus she can escape unnoticed into the forest. So she runs off as a bear. <laughs> a wandering prince meets the bear in the woods and brings her home because the bear's so tame and nice at first he's terrified and the bear's all lovely and he says oh I like this bear let's bring her home now 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 okay so now I've read two versions of this in one version the prince sees the bear in her true form as Preziozza the princess and he, uh -huh. and he falls in love with her but in another version he never does and he only ever sees her as a bear so you and he falls in love with the bear so you decide how you prefer it as we proceed so the one where he sees Preziozza <laughs> in her true form 
Uh, he sees her out of the castle window. He rushes down, but she's turned back into a she-bear. Oh, no. He's so distraught that he can't find her, this woman that he saw, that he gets seriously ill. Oh, and no. in his lovesickness, the prince says to his mum, the queen, Nothing can console me but the sight of the she-bear. Therefore, if you wish to see me well again, let her be brought into this chamber. His mum thinks, that's mad. My son, yeah. my son is demanding to bring a bear into his bedroom. But, yeah. but she acquiesces and fetches the bear. <laughs> the bear then checks his pulse and starts making meals for him and doing domestic what? chores. Oh, it's Dr. Bear. <laughs> yeah. Just Dr. She-Bear. So the bear's doing all his chores. Yeah. Then at one point, she makes the bed for him while he looks on. And finally, she sprinkles rose petals on the bed. Uh, <laughs> this is too much for the prince now. That is too much. She put some nice music on. But when the prince saw these pretty offices, they only added fuel to the fire. And he said to the queen, My lady mother, if I do not give this bear a kiss, the breath will leave my body. Whereupon the queen, seeing him fainting away, said, Kiss him! Kiss him, my beautiful beast! Let me not see my poor son die of longing! Then the bear went up to the prince, and taking him by the cheeks, kissed him again and again on the lips. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile... I know not how it was. The piece of wood slipped out of Preziotz's mouth. So they're making out and the wood falls out of her mouth. <laughs> There's wood in there. <laughs> and she remained in the arms of the prince, the most beautiful creature in the world. And pressing her to his heart, he said, I have caught you, my little rogue. You shall not escape from me again without good reason. At these words, Preziotza, adding the color of modesty to the picture of her natural beauty, said to him, I am indeed in your hands. Only guard me safely and marry me when you will. They get married happily ever after. And Preziotza experienced the truth of the saying that one who acts well may always expect good. <laughs> the ad. There you go. I've summed up Shiba for you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Yes, Adam. It has bestiality thrown into the mix. What? <laughs> I just can't believe it. He's like, oh, I need the, the bear in here. And his mum's like, well, if it's what he wants. And then the bear comes in there, looks after him. Checks his and pulse. then it's just like, <laughs> and he looks at the bear and it's like, I have to kiss this bear, otherwise I'm going to die. No, he says, mum, I have to kiss this bear. <laughs> no, why is he asking his mum? Why is he asking his mum that he can kiss the bear? It's one of my favourite sentences from the podcast (laughs) series too. Why is he asking his mum if he can kiss a bear? Uh. Um, Mum, you what, dear? Um, uh, Can I kiss this bear? What? (laughs) Sorry. And then the mum screams at the bear, kiss him! Kiss Kiss him! him. Just go on and kiss him Don't let my son die. Oh, goodness. That's insane. It's amazing. And... You also said there's another branch where he never gets to see the princess. He just falls in love with a bear. You know what? I think, pretty sure, in the original Italian, he doesn't see her as a princess. He only ever sees her as a bear. Because the earliest English translation is the one where he never sees her as a woman. A later one in the 20th century, early 20th century, is when he does. So I feel like that was to make it a bit tamer. And it also doesn't make sense. Because he's seen her as a woman, but he's still attracted to the bear. 
but it makes more sense in the original one that he wants to kiss the bear because if he's seen her as a woman, why would he then want to kiss a bear? Because he doesn't know that it's the same thing, if that makes no, sense. No, exactly, yeah. But um, That makes no sense. Oh, it's incredible, yeah. And it, in the one where he doesn't see her as a woman, he's just slowly getting more and more attracted to the bear. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And then his mum's there as well. Honest, I know. Honestly, what is this? I, what, what is I this? sometimes wish we were doing Basile reading because it's just yeah. oh, so good. It's <laughs> so good. But it is so long. <laughs> Yeah, that was a treat. That was a real treat. Is it time for the scores? I think it might be. So, I've probably said the word incest about 500 times between here yeah. and the story, which has probably not helped. No. <laughs> but if you, can, if you can ignore all that and just think back to the story. I, I loved it. Did you? Okay. I loved the story. Like, I'm glad. What? what? <laughs> I mean, it's broken my brain a little bit, this story. Okay. How come? And I think ba- Basile has just okay. added to that. <laughs> it's <laughs> compounded the issue. He's just trampled on the debris that was your brain. Yeah, with a she-bear. <laughs> she-bear. It's the best <laughs> title as well. She-bear. she-bear. Um, no, forget she-bear. Thousand no, first. I have to forget she-bear, but I can't forget she-bear. <laughs> Never forget she-bear. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> um, this isn't top tier, but it's... okay. It's it's high, yeah, for me. Okay. So I think for me, I'm thinking an eight point five. Okay, that's a solid, solid score. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? That's deserving of that, I think. I mean, it was a really entertaining story, and there are loads of amazing, kind of almost iconic parts to it. You know, the whole thousand thousand first festival is a great title, as we said, mm-hmm. and the you know the idea of the the. Uh, mantle made of a thousand furs of different animals mm-hmm. and uh, that's all amazing then you've got really dark fairy tale like themes you've got the incest you've got sort of violence and abuse and <laughs> inexplicable blacking up which we kind of didn't oh, touch on yeah uh, that, uh, that's it's probably best yeah we've we've dealt heavily with one taboo let's just leave yeah the let's let's alone. leave that so there's so many weird, dark, bizarre things to it. You know, you know, you know. I love a good weird story, and this is weird. This is really weird. <laughs> yes, it um, is very weird. I think for me, it was it was quite dark. It was quite heavy. Yeah. And as I said, it doesn't really feel like a happy ending. It's not. It's not satisfying. It's it's no. kind of like oh that poor girl. So yeah, I think it it needs a bit of comic relief or something. Bit <laughs> 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 slapstick in there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some pratfalls. So yeah, I think I'm thinking similar. I think I was thinking about an eight. Uh huh. I was thinking similar an school. eight. Yeah. Perfect. So sixteen point five out of twenty. Brilliant. Wow. Well, next time. Yeah. Is the big one. It's it's a biggie, isn't it? The series two finale. Sleeping Beauty, aka Briar Rose. <laughs> yeah, Sleeping Beauty. I'm very excited. Uh, me too. I honestly can't <laughs> wait. I'm. So, oh, it's going to be so good. It's been fun. I'm really glad we got Thousand Furs in as well. I think that was yeah. a top top scale story that we yeah. haven't had one quite that good for a while. It does feel like we're ending the series on a high. Yeah. Well, let's see if Sleeping Beauty can live up to its name. <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. All right. I'll, uh, yeah. See you then. See you then. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how. 
and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Grim.